are so excited to get to be with you today, whether you're here with us in person or you're joining us online. I just, every weekend, even especially when I just get to be in the room with you or greeting, I just think this is one of the best places. And just I'm so grateful that we get to be in community together. This is my friend, Tiffany. Hello. And Tiffany is one of our rock star youth ministry volunteers. And so if you have a middle school or high school student, Tiffany is largely responsible for a lot of the curriculum, small group questions. She works hard with Megan to help get that going. And so we're really grateful for the way that you've jumped in in that space this year. Yeah, she's also working on a degree in theology and Bible right That's now. That's correct. So we've had some fun discussions kind of geeking out on commentaries and all the things. I know I'm really cool. That's just kind of part of my part of my gig. Bible nerds are my friend. Yep, here I am. And so I think there are going to be some pieces to her story today that we're going to get to learn from together. And so we've already talked a little bit so far in the service about how worship helps us get centered. That as we shift our attention onto Jesus, it centers us. And, you know, week one, we talked about worship in response to God's power. Week two was worship in response to God's presence. Today, we're talking about worship in response to God's work within us. We talked a little bit at the beginning of the service about worship in the midst of the struggle. And what I want us to talk about right now is worship in the midst of waiting. Waiting is hard. Sometimes waiting is the actual struggle. Sometimes we're waiting for relief. Sometimes we're waiting for the disappointment to end. We're waiting for the solution to come. We're waiting for a dream to come to pass. But waiting can be really difficult. And so I wonder, what has waiting looked like for you? Endless. (laughs) Right? It seems like we're always waiting. Um, Isn't there a saying, I think it's hurry up and wait? I think there might be a saying. Um, But it seems like once you think you're done waiting for something, a new thing comes onto your radar. And once again, you're stuck waiting. And um, I remember several years back, I um, was in church in the middle of worship and had just felt the Spirit um, prompt me to close my eyes. And I just began kind of praying. And I had this vision of all this water, rough, choppy seawater, And I was out in the midst of it, and it was chaotic and overwhelming. Um, But there was this really bright, brilliant, glorious light that was calling me to look to it, right? Calling for my attention. And I knew that that was the Lord just telling me to set my eyes on him. And um, I remember as that was happening, I would get distracted, I would, I would see the waves crashing on me and the next wave coming and I'd be like prepping myself for it and I would start sinking into the water and feel overwhelmed and, and burdened, but that light would just shine through and I knew that if I just could even just keep my face out of the water, right, with my eyes set on his glory, it was okay. It's almost like all the other things subsided in the midst of that. Um, And little did I know that he would use that imagery to carry me through a period of about five years of waiting, Um, an interesting type of waiting, of just enduring chaotic situation after chaotic situation. Um, We moved at the time, and we spent five years in the Kansas City area, and um, our family became a foster family. And so we began taking um, sibling sets into our home to give them a safe place. And 
nothing quite prepares you for that. Um, And on top of that, we had three kids of our own going through their own difficulties. I was running my own um, business out of my home, a gym, and that was taxing. And my husband had his work, which was taxing. And we had holidays and family, and that's taxing. Um, normal life. Normal life. Yeah. And, and there were times where it just became too much, you know? And I would cry to the Lord, like, I can't do this. I just can't. And, it, and then I would remember that image, and I would think to myself, you need to set your eyes back on Jesus. And you need to stop looking at all these things in your life that feel like they're crashing on top of you and consuming you. And when I would do that, miraculously, right, I would have peace and contentment in the midst of being in that stormy water. It centered you in the midst of the storm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I love getting to hear stories like what Tiffany just shared um, because it's unique to Tiffany. I have not had an experience like what Tiffany just described. And we have a couple of options when we hear stories like this that um, maybe stretch us outside of what is familiar or what we are used to. We sometimes have this human, very human, natural response of, well, wait a second, (laughs) how come I didn't get one of those? (laughs) Like, I want to have that kind of an experience in the midst of worship. And sometimes it can create a little bit of envy within myself if I'm paying attention and I'm aware and I'm quiet. But what I want is I want to choose to listen to those kinds of stories and allow them to remind and encourage me. And I think that's part of the reason why sometimes God allows us to share um, in settings like this, but especially in, like this story came up over coffee. And it was an encouragement to me over coffee to go, okay, there might be something in your story that can be an encouragement to me in the midst of the season that I'm in, in the midst of the storm that I am experiencing. Um, And so, you know, last week, Scott talked about how song is not the only way that we worship, that there are other different ways that we can worship God as a way of focusing our attention on Jesus in a way that centers us again. So I wonder, have there been other ways over the years that have been meaningful for you? Yeah, so for sure during that time, I leaned into worship music quite heavily. And it would naturally, even songs that we sang today um, that came out during that time really helped me to put my focus on him instead of thinking about my, my stuff and my issues and why I didn't like my circumstances. And it became a really, um, you know, spiritually forming time in my life uh, where he used those things to shape me into his likeness. Um, not that that's perfect, but it's a work in progress. And, um, and so worship definitely has been, but I definitely find in worship that it's this place that I can cognitively reconcile the reality that God is in me, that the spirit dwells in me and that his kingdom is here and now. And when I can listen to the lyrics and reconcile that in my brain, this very curious thing, um, like the Jacob's ladder, you know, it's this moment where heaven and earth sort of overlap for me. And I can understand not just cognitively, but also have an experience with the Lord that you are real and you are here right now with, 
with me, which is a truth no matter where I am and what I'm doing. It's just a matter of me having the awareness to be present to that reality. Um, and so in those spaces, a lot of times for me, it becomes a, a place of like meditation or compli- compli- contemplative. contemplative. I'm like losing my words. Um, but a space where I can sit and listen. And sometimes it's hearing the voices around me singing the truths that are shaping me and reminding me. Um, and sometimes it's just sitting quietly and having that awareness of his presence. So I love that you talked about awareness because one of the important things that Scott taught us last week is that worship doesn't get God's presence into the room or into our lives. That's already present. It's, a, it's already a reality. You know, when the Apostle Paul ta- tells us that it is in Christ that we live and move and have our being, worship simply helps us to wake up to that reality, to shift our focus onto that reality in the moment wherever we are. And so I think that's so good. Would would you thank Tiffany for sharing her story? Thank you so much. We're so grateful for you. And so we're seeing that God is at work within us in the struggle. God is at work within us in the waiting. And that worship is a way that we shift our focus, our attention back to Jesus in the midst of those things. And so one way that has been meaningful for me in the last few years has been praying the prayers of other men and women who have managed to put words to my own internal experience. And so I can remember when I first became a follower of Jesus, it was in an evangelical Protestant church And they would say that if you weren't praying your own words, that it lacked authenticity. And I bought into that for a little bit. And then it was a handful of years ago that I began to practice praying the words of other people. Because there are some times, there are some seasons when I don't have words for my experience when I can't describe the internal battle that's happening, the external battle that is happening. And the words of other men and women who have followed Jesus sometimes centuries before me have been a gift. And it's been a way that I have found myself centered through the practice of worship. And so today I want us to practice that together. We're gonna pray the words of a Jesuit priest named Tailhard J. Stradine. Now, some of you are already trying to figure out how you're gonna get the words and you're trying to figure out the name that I just pronounced. It's all good. If you're online, I want you to know that the prayer and the name will be in the notes on YouTube when it gets uploaded. If you're in the room, I want you to know that on your way out today, you're gonna to receive a bookmark with the words of the prayer printed on the back of the bookmark. And so in this moment, I want to invite you to just kind of relax a little bit and let's take some time to center our attention onto Jesus. So I'm going to read twice. The first time I want to invite you to just listen to the sound of my voice. If you're comfortable, you can close your eyes. If you'd rather, you can read the words on the screen. Whatever helps you to really focus your attention on the words. And then the second time I read it, I'm going to invite you to pray the prayer out loud with me.
And so above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time that is to say grace and circumstances acting on your own goodwill will make of you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Would you read with me this time? Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time that is to say, grace and circumstances acting on your own goodwill will make of you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. You see, friends, I've discovered that worship, however I choose to worship, helps me focus my attention back onto Jesus. And that's when I find myself centered again. Even if life is still happening around me, even if the wind and the waves are still chaotically blowing and pounding around me, I can find this place of centeredness in the reality of who God is and his power and his presence that he is still at work within me. What I've also noticed is that when the struggle has all of my attention, when the waiting has captured most of my focus, I find myself overwhelmed by fear. And I don't know about you, but 
Sometimes I react differently to fear in my life. Sometimes I fight back. I've noticed that when I feel angry, oftentimes hiding under that anger is a sense of fear or helplessness or uncertainty. Sometimes I run, I avoid, I distract. Most of the time it's with things that are more socially acceptable like work. And so as I've become more aware of the ways that I distract and run, I've noticed that fear often is hiding underneath. And sometimes I freeze, I numb out because it's just too difficult sometimes to face the reality happening around me. And so I wanna share another story with you today from the life and ministry of Jesus and his good friend, Peter, that I think illustrates for us this very real human response of fear when we find ourselves struggling, when we find ourselves waiting when we find that life is happening around us. So we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 24. And the disciples and Jesus have just had a long day of ministry together. And Jesus sends the disciples off on their own, on a boat. And Jesus heads up into the mountain to pray and to spend some time alone. And so we pick up the story there where it says, meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. And about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. They were scared to death. Now, what we don't know is if they were scared of the storm and the wind and the waves, or if they were scared of seeing this thing walking on the water and not knowing what it was, I'm gonna venture to bet it was both. I think they were terrified of the storm. The wind and the waves were battering this boat and then all of a sudden, something new was introduced into the scene and they panicked. They were scared to death, it says. And they cried out, a ghost. It said, as they cried out in terror, but Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, Jesus says, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come out onto the water. And so Jesus said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down, at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and he started to sink. He cried out, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and he grabbed his hand and then he said, faint heart, what got into you? So the two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down the disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshiped Jesus. Now this is significant for us to notice because we don't see this happen very often in the gospels where it tells us that the disciples worshiped Jesus. But in this moment, they do. Saying, this is it, you are God's son for sure. 
Now this story is recorded for us in three different gospels. We get a little bit of a different perspective in each one. This week, I noticed a common thread. In every single perspective we have of this story, the message to the disciples from Jesus is clear. The message to you and to me when we find ourselves in the midst of a storm, when life is hard, when it's difficult, when we're struggling, when we're waiting, the message to us from Jesus is clear. It's me. Don't be afraid. When we're struggling, Jesus says, it's me, I'm here. Don't be afraid. When we are facing the hardest that life has to throw at us, Jesus says, it's me, I'm here. Don't be afraid. When we're weighed down and we're not even sure we can take another step forward, Jesus says, it's me, I'm here. Don't be afraid. When we're grieving, it's me, I'm here, don't be afraid. When we're waiting, it's me, I'm here, don't be afraid. This is the message in all three of the different perspectives that we have. You see, worship reminds us that fear doesn't get the final say in our story. Love does. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He was really honest with us. He said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. This love that I have for you has even conquered death. And so whatever this life, this world may throw at you, fear does not get the final say, love does. And the other thing that I noticed about this story this week that I think is important for you and I to understand, regardless of the season that we're in, is that our natural human response to the struggle, to the waiting, may be fear. But Jesus has an immediate compassionate response to our fear. I don't know about you, but I grew up in a tradition where we kind of felt ashamed of our fear. It was kind of taught to us that if we expressed fear or acknowledged fear that we were lacking faith in God, that that something was maybe wrong with us, that that it wasn't okay that God was displeased with our fear. And friend, I think what Jesus helps us to see in this story is that his response to our very natural human fear is in fact immediate compassion. The moment that Peter was distracted and began to sink and he cried out for help, it says Jesus did not hesitate. He reached out and he met him where he was at. Just as he meets you and I in the midst of our fear, which is a very natural human response when we're struggling and when we're waiting. And so when we worship in the midst of the struggle and in the midst of the waiting, we are choosing, like Megan mentioned a little bit earlier in the service, to trust in the slow, mysterious, and often unseen work of God in our life. 
we're choosing sometimes to focus our attention on a truth that maybe we can't see vividly in reality or maybe we can't feel in the moment. That slow, mysterious, often unseen work of God. And in a a season of my life when that was part of the deal, there was a verse in Isaiah that came to mind over and over and over again. And it says, clearly, you are a God who works behind the scenes, which still makes me laugh a little bit because there's a lot of irony there that clearly, I can't see it, I can't feel it, I can't touch it, but clearly you are a God who works behind the scenes in my life. And so can I choose to trust, regardless of what's happening around me, that God, you are at work within me even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel it. And so this week I found that I could relate a lot to our friend Peter and the story that we just read. But friends, it wasn't bold Peter that I could relate to. It wasn't the Peter who stepped out in faith and onto the water that I could relate to. It was fearful Peter that I could relate to. Peter who got distracted by the wind and the waves and shifted his attention and began to sink. The reality is most of us are in the midst of some type of difficulty right now. And if we're not, it's a matter of time before one of some size is on the way. And so this week I found myself on a call with Jean And Jean happens to be my spiritual director. Many of you may not be familiar with that practice. It's an ancient practice that's just begun to make its way back into Protestant circles. Jean teaches at Fuller Theological Seminary and she's what I would describe as, she's my pastor. She and I have been meeting together monthly for a couple of years. She cares for my soul. She prays with me. She helps me discern how God is at work in my life. And she also has been invited to speak into my life and even to hold me accountable. And so this week, as I began to try to give voice and words to this internal struggle, she just asked me a question. She very gently, softly said to me, Carissa, are you trying to do the work yourself? And I took a minute and took a breath because I realized that she was onto something. There's a part of me that wants to make the work happen. I wanna speed it up. I wanna get there faster. Even though I've learned this lesson before, I found here I am learning it again. And she said, I wonder if your truster is broken. And so I'm shifting back into this space of God help me to trust you in the midst of this. It's not easy. I need your help. And so three things this week, friends, as we wrap up, that I want to invite you to consider doing that help us just to shift our focus back to Jesus. One is invite someone into your story. This isn't something that we have to go alone. Maybe it's a small group leader. Maybe it's someone that you serve with here on a team. Maybe it's a friend. Give words and voice to the struggle and to the waiting. Maybe you pray the words of our friend, Tailheart. And this week, 
If quiet sounds good to you, you repeat those words on the back of the bookmark. Above all, trust in the slow work of God. When you feel the fear start to rise and your heart start to race, above all, help me trust in the slow work of God. Or maybe you have music playing in the background or you have some specific time set aside to sing through some of the songs that you find meaningful right now. But can we spend some time this week, if we're struggling, if we're waiting, to shift our attention to Jesus? That's where we find ourselves centered in the midst of a storm. And so Evan and the team are gonna come out They're gonna lead us in a final song. Delaney is gonna sing it and it's just gonna be beautiful. We wanna invite you to remain seated and just allow this to be a time where you can really focus your attention on the words or on the music. You can keep your eyes open and look at the screen. You can close your eyes and just experience the room together. Let this be a moment where collectively we shift our attention. Let me pray with you. God, thank you that no matter where we find ourselves today, you are with us. Help us to live into that reality this week, to wake up to that reality, God, when we're afraid that you are saying to us, it's me, I'm here, don't be afraid. We're so grateful, God, that no matter what we face, you are with us. We are never alone. And that when we do feel afraid, You have an immediate, compassionate response towards us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 